25 minutes past 12 this Sunday lunchtime. Gavin Riley with you on the record until one o'clock uh, this lunchtime. All this week on News Talk, we've been shining a light on domestic abuse in partnership with Allianz and Women's Aid. And the Chief Executive of Women's Aid, Sarah Benson, is with us now um, in studio. Um, Sarah, one of the issues that's been um, discussed, and very welcome, and thank you for coming to studio. One of the issues that's been discussed quite a lot um, across our programming this week is proposals for paid leave for those who are subject to domestic violence and how exactly you can go about creating an environment where people feel like they are comfortable to avail of that leave because one imagines if you're in a very traumatic domestic situation it is already a traumatic and unfortunately a very stigmatised thing and that if even if you had legislation on the books to allow for paid entitlement to leave it might be the sort of thing that a lot of people would feel very reluctant about ever pursuing because it means having to disclose to an employer and to people in HR that this is what you're going through and they would rather their privacy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that Women's Aid is is doing um, in conjunction with Allianz this week as part of what we're calling the Stand Strong movement is raising awareness and raising the awareness that one in four women in this country, uh, a smaller number of men, but nonetheless uh, men also, uh, will be subjected to domestic abuse over their life course. One in five young women will suffer by the age of 25 alone. Um, And yet we know that one third will tell nobody. Um, And one of the main reasons aside from obvious fear of their perpetrator is also feeling that stigmatisation. They may be felt uh, blamed for the abuse themselves uh, which is part of the tactics of abuse and we want to raise awareness. We're asking people on the 6th of January to join us um, to stand strong in in a very visible way by striking the the yoga warrior pose um, just to raise that awareness that it is not your fault if you're abused. It is uh, the, the fault of the perpetrator and that also we know that to survive domestic abuse requires social support and solidarity and Mm. employers are actually a crucial part of that and Women's Aid has an employer engagement programme. We've been working with employers actually for a number of years already uh, to work with them to provide a paid leave for their employees but crucially with a policy to support that and we are really uh, excited now that government is pushing forward with um, as part of the work-life balance bill uh, as paid domestic violence leave which will make it the responsibility of every employer large and small in this country to create a provision um, of paid domestic violence leave. Um, What is that for? Different to sick leave or emergency leave like force majeure. Mm. This could be to allow somebody to visit a specialist support uh, service like Women's Aid, like one of the local services around the country. It could be to go to court. It could be to to go view an accommodation under the guise that they may be in work and their partner who may be coercively controlling them may not be monitoring them at that moment because they think they're in work but So it's the one time in which the the partner might think well I can account for my partner's movements in this instance and it's the one opportunity then that somebody might have to be able to get a new life set up Absolutely and quietly and with confidence but your point is really well made if uh, we have a statutory leave in the absence of employers being given the support, information, training to understand how they can be inviting of their employees. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, if, if I'm in an abusive situation, as I say, there is so much silence and stigma. Your work performance might be suffering as well. We know that. We know that economic abuse is a really powerful tool in an abusive relationship. Somebody may be being coerced in such a way that they feel that perhaps they may have to give up their job. Um, and Uh, This pivots an employer from being uh, perhaps an unwitting pressure point in somebody's abusive situation to an ally. But the policy then would give 
it, these we, we've worked for, for a number of companies um, uh, including Allianz to roll out their policies these are not you know uh, scary once we work with HR or work just with small mm. employers it's really simple practical things it's remembering that there's a lot of leave that has confidentiality wrapped around it sick leave does already there's a lot of structures okay. there but you have to be able to say if you say this it is treated in the same confidence it will not impact our perspective of you and your performance it will be mm. recorded in a very sensitive way and nobody else will know about it. Because I suppose the, the concern that employee might have is e- even if it's not held against them or even if it's not something that they are slighted or if it's not you know held as a black mark against them when it comes to their annual reviews or whatever else that there's still just that whole moment of having to go to a named person in HR and to mm. say I need to avail of this which can be a very difficult thing for anyone to do in any circumstances let alone if it's something as traumatic as domestic abuse. Yeah absolutely. There's there's ways around this as well. It's around who in the organisation has responsibility maybe and that could be just to talk to the line manager but the beauty of having a policy is that every employee in a company however large or small should be made aware of the, the, the policy and within that we would have resources as well like the Women's Aid National Free Phone Helpline uh, we have the Mail Advice Line you know, all of the policies, while it is a gendered issue, are gender neutral and would support LGBT people as well. But that means that their colleagues, people are more likely to disclose to a colleague than perhaps a manager in the first instance. Okay. The colleague then can say, remember, we have this policy. You shouldn't be afraid. Why don't you talk to your manager? And if you're not ready to do that yet, here's this free phone number for Women's Aid and you can contact okay. them. Uh, one other thing, and that, that, by the way, is being legislated for, I think, the Shannon this coming week, this idea of legislating for, for yeah, domestic it's, violence. It's moving to stage two in the Shannon and then it'll move to report stage. We really hope it's something that it's been a commitment. Roderick O'Gorman is the Minister bringing the, the legislation forward mm. is that this will be something that will be enacted sooner rather than later. Um, the government is proposing five days I think of paid leave. One of the original proposals was ten. Is there a material difference or would you still like to see the government convert it to ten? Or what, what difference in practice would it make for someone who needs to avail of it? Well there's precedent here. I mean we have Australia and New Zealand who, who have this, this legislation for quite some time now. New Zealand actually uh, currently looks like it's moving to twenty days. Um, all of the work we've done with employers, it has been a minimum of 10 days over a period of 12 months maximum. Um, at the moment, the legislation still says 10 days. We understand that uh, the, 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 the government will be pressing for five. We would like to see 10. Mm. Um, but crucially, uh, the legislation, there was a lot of discussion around employers requiring proofs. We think that that's completely counterproductive. And if, you know, we would prefer that there's no proofs in and it is to be evaluated after 12 months, we, we okay. um, realise as well. Yeah, because uh, I suppose one of the benefits of 10 days is that given right now the, the pressures on accommodation for example that if you needed this time to go and find somewhere else to be able to live safely that actually 10 days could be an awful lot more helpful than 5 just given those pressures um, one other issue which is being uh, legislated for or is in the process of being legislated for um, is the standalone offence of stalking uh, to supplement the more recent laws around harassment in general um, this may seem like a very callous way of interpreting it but if stalking is already a criminal offence or if to to pursue that kind of behaviour is a crime then what difference does it make to have it recognised as a standalone offence in its own right? Interestingly within the, the, the same piece of legislation there's two things that are being pulled out of what are already contained within in the one instance the Harassment and Harmful Communications Act and in the other um, uh, the the um, non-fatal offences which is uh, we have stalking and then we also have non-fatal strangulation and the reason these two things are being pulled out 
is because um, on the one hand, non-fatal strangulation is recognised as being uh, at an extreme risk of uh, uh, of fatal harm. And so it's an incredibly dangerous thing to do. And we know in the context of domestic abuse, regrettably, choking is something that we hear, we certainly hear on our helpline. We know our colleagues around the country do as well. Stalking then is something very specific. And the current harassment legislation ranges from everything from kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, for want of a better word, low level harassment uh, up to that extreme. But stalking is actually known. And in the UK, when they uh, enacted it, it's like people think, well, what law do I have recourse to? This is stalking and training for police okay. and others. It's, it's, it's actually, it, it is a recognisable so thing with is, a very high risk of harm. So is it the case then that in, under the criminal laws it currently stands that sometimes it can be very difficult to make the behaviour fit into the category of what is already a crime, whereas this is a, a much more explicit way of saying what you're doing is illegal? Even taking a step back to those who may be subjected to it and to support police to be able to investigate something where in some cases stalking, the person who's being targeted for stalking doesn't know they're being targeted but maybe somebody else might realise that they are um, because it is a secret act um, so it frames it in a much more narrow and precise way it has the same sentencing attached to it as harassment does but it makes it easier to recognise then easier to kind of step up and say this is something that is happening to me or mm. I can see that this is being done to somebody else uh, On a similar note then just a non-fatal strangulation one would have presumed that it was already an act of physical harm which would already be a crime in its own right so the value then of, of making it more explicit is just to as, as a social signal perhaps Perhaps? Uh, well, it also will it will have a higher penalty attached to it than okay. it would currently be dealt with. And that is because it is something that with the, I mean, it, uh, apologies to your listeners, but it is something that to to um, put pressure on a neck is something that can cause fatal, fatal harm. Women's Aid maintains the femicide report in this country. And unfortunately, strangulation is something uh, which is not uncommon in terms of domestic um, domestic homicides. OK, um, the Stand Strong movement then overall, is it just an, an, a, an initiative to try and encourage people to feel more emboldened about pursuing these things so that they don't feel like they are alone or that they are aware that there are support structures around them if it is something they ever need to avail of? Yeah, well, we're calling on everybody to, and I'd encourage anyone who wants to find out more, to go to standstrong.ie. It is also a fundraiser for Women's Aid for, for if people can donate. But more than anything, what we really want is to create something that will lift the veil around domestic violence and abuse, which will give a very visible message to anyone who is suffering that uh, this isn't something that we recognise that you should uh, survive and struggle with alone. Uh, it, it's to create a supportive environment for survivors to speak up and have support. But it's really also uh, feeding into the government strategy for zero tolerance of domestic abuse to challenge abusive behaviour to say that we have zero tolerance of that. So strike a pose with us um, on January the or February, February the 6th, 6th yeah. and go to standstrong.ie to find out more. So today to Women's Aid and to find out more about that movement that is standstrong.ie. Sarah Benson, Chief Executive of Women's Aid, thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime on the record here on News Talk. At uh, 12.36, just enough time to catch up on the sports news with Anne-Marie Donlan. Uh, some, some breaking and some pretty significant news from the Australian Open. Yeah, Novak Djokovic has won yet again in, in Melbourne his 10th Australian Open title so he extends his record like, there. If we weren't in the era of uh, Djokovic and uh, Nadal and mm-hmm. Federer like, yeah. just the idea that you could win the same Grand Slam tournament 10 times like it's it, we've become weirdly blasé about it. It's yeah. just a remarkable thing. Yeah, that's 22 um, Grand Slams in total for Djokovic. So that sees him equal Nadal's record. But you'd imagine there's a couple more championships definitely mm. in Djokovic, more so than Nadal. Nadal might get a French Open maybe to see out his career. He'd probably love to finish on that. But you'd imagine Djokovic is going to go on and extend his record 
record right through into the 20s, mm. um, 23, 24, 25. Probably, he'll always have that grievance that he might have won it last year as yeah. well where he not kept out of the country. Well, just speaking of last year as well, it's probably the most emotional in his post-match interview that we've ever seen him and he uh, spoke about the circumstances that have surrounded it, the deportation from Australia last year, but also the cloud that's been hanging over him in relation to his father during the week. And obviously Djokovic steals a lot of headlines off the court, probably stuff that he doesn't want people to be speaking about. But he did address that and he said that it's probably the Grand Slam that means the absolute most to him in the circumstances. So it was interesting to see that kind of vulnerable side of him. But he's just a machine on the court. Mm. You know, like he won it um, in straight sets. He struggled ever so slightly in the second set, 7-6. He beat Tsitsipas in that second set. But yet, Tsitsipas couldn't see out that set. He couldn't take full advantage of Djokovic's weaknesses there. And then he was pretty strong again in the third set. You know, if he's any way vulnerable on the court, you just have to take advantage of that. Mm. And Tsitsipas didn't have enough to do that. He's also, he's a quality of player that it's very difficult to exploit any weaknesses because he tends to close down those weaknesses again pretty quickly. And he's got years on his side. So yeah, 22 could certainly become quite a few more. Uh, We're already almost completely out of time. You might as well just give us a preview of what's coming up this afternoon and off the ball. Yeah, obviously big, big day for yourself, Meath and Division 2 football down in Mm -hmm. Cork. And of course, it's Colm O'Rourke's first day as manager. So that should be exciting. It's my favourite day of the year because it's the one day of the year that you can have a certain amount of optimism before it all (laughs) begins to fall apart again. Well, we'll see if there's a bit of a boost from the new management, Colm O'Rourke taking charge of Meath. Stephen Doyle is down there, so we'll talk to him top of the programme at one o'clock and obviously reporters as well at the rest of the grounds. Just another note where they won Kerry, the All-Ireland champions up in Donegal in Ballybuffet. As we know, Donegal's so hard to beat in mm. Ballybuffet, so we'll see what happens there. And the fourth round of the FA Cup continues. Evan Ferguson should feature for oh. Brighton against Liverpool. He had an assist against uh, for the second goal when they beat Liverpool mm. two weeks ago, so we'll see if he can. If he wasn't already signed up for Brighton, I'd be telling Colin O'Rourke to go and get him now. I bet he's <laughs> oh, 10 yeah, man, man. available for the big Royals. Big day for me. Uh, oh, big day for me. Amory Donald, thank, thank you. you. Donald Fallon with us on the record with Hidden Histories next.